the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's my prayer for you today, that you do experience the presence of Jesus, that you do encounter the peace that he gives, that you do know the joy that he offers. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we must live sent. We must go forward. We must live sent. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. He came with humility. He came with obedience, but he came with authority. How do I know from Philippians 2 he came with authority? Because at the name of Jesus, what will happen? Every knee will bow. Why do we bow our knees? What does it show when we get on our knees? Do I express my power from my knees? (laughs) No, I express his power. If you kneel or if you bow in the presence of another person, what are you doing? You're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating that you're in authority. And so Jesus is a person of authority. We also know this from the words of Jesus because he told us. Remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given what? Say it. All authority. Who has all authority? Jesus. He came with authority. But you know what's amazing? He's telling the disciples, I'm letting you use my authority. Now, who does that relate to? Someone asked me even this week. They had come from a different faith practice, and they were thinking about how priests were dealt with in that faith practice and and what authority was given to priests. And they literally asked me, do you have that same authority? And my answer was yes, but guess what? So do you. We believe every Christ follower has that authority because we're given the authority from Jesus. That's an important doctrine that we believe. It's called the priesthood of the believer. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest to go to God. Jesus is your intermediary. You go straight to Jesus in the same way. It's not just a pastor. It's not just a priest. It's not just a missionary. It's not just a worship leader that's sent. You are sent. You have that authority. Why? Well, we see that in Philippians 2 as well. You have that authority for the glory of the Father. That's why Jesus came, to point people to God. Now, he was God, but we're told that we're supposed to live the same way. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, whether you eat, sleep, whatever you do, do it how? You do it for the glory of God. I want you to take a quick inventory. Don't look back over your life. Just look over the last seven days. Have the words you've said, have your actions been done for the glory of God? The way you worked, wherever you work, or the way you've lived out those hours of retirement, or the way you've spent vacation, was that done for the glory of God? Why is that so important? 
Because when we live our life for the glory of the Father, it points people to Jesus. Remember, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that verse says, to the glory of God the Father. It gives God glory when we live our lives pointing other people to Jesus. When we live sent, we bring glory to the one who sent us. So what does that do to this rink of chaos and conflict that we live in? I don't think I've seen a more chaotic time or more a time of greater conflict than what we've experienced over the last year. How do we live as sent ones like that? How do we be the ones that have authority to make impact and to be difference makers? How do we do that? Well, Let's look back to John 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So they're not dealing with the chaos and conflict. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, and he said, Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands, and then they were filled with joy. When we get this right, we become agents of peace. You have peace with God? If you're not born again, you don't have peace with God. The Bible says you're in conflict with God. And that's the first thing you need to deal with. Remember, we're all sinners. That sin is against the will of God. It's it's just putting us at conflict with God. His desire is that we not be at conflict, that we be in relationship with him. And the only way that conflict can be resolved is through Jesus Christ. That's how we have peace with God. But after we have peace with God, we know the peace of God. And so we can claim verses like the one you hear me quote often. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and with supplication. It's asking God, make your request known to God. And what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, begins to guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So Jesus is saying to us, when we live sent, when we go out both with confidence but with humility, when we respond with obedience and and sacrifice, when we recognize that we have his authority but we're to bring glory to the Father, when we do that, we become messengers of peace to the world. So quick question for inventory again. Is your life bringing peace to those around you? Do you ever come in contact with people that And their life does not bring peace. It's like drama. It stresses you out. Don't live that way. Live with peace. But it's not just peace. It's also joy. When we experience the peace of God, he begins to give us joy. Joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness comes and goes based on our happenings. Some things happen to us that are not happy, but joy comes from God. It allows me to look beyond the circumstances of life and trust Him, to have faith in Him. They touched they touched the holes in his hands and in his side, and they saw his feet, and yet they had joy. The one they loved had died. He had suffered. He had gone through pain, and yet they have died. They had joy. No matter what you experience, you can experience the joy of God. But you've got to look to Jesus. So what do we do? How do we live sent? I want to take you back to that most familiar commission. Matthew 28. 
Jesus said this. Let's read it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, all the peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching or teach them to these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, a quick question about how that ends. Has the age ended? This means no. This means yes. Has the age ended? No. So he's with us, right? So we're not on our own. So he's telling us what we do. Now, the big what we do is make disciples. We make disciples. But then he tells us the avenues we use. These are actually participles in the language. The things we do to make disciples. And the first thing he said is go. It's an action. Literally, it reads as you're going. So as you're living your life. This is the word that reminds us what we talked about last week. Love does. Love is an action. Love goes. This is evangelism in the Christian faith. This is our reminder that we do not have the option of whether or not we are witnesses for Christ. I can't tell you this enough because somehow we've forgotten this. We think that it's okay to call ourselves Christian, to, to sit in a church service, to come together in the huddle, but then to never live as a changed one in such a way that others see our witness. That's not an option scripturally. We're all to be his witnesses. We're all to be those who go. In fact, this may surprise you, but the Bible does not compel the lost world to go to church. It does command the church to go to the lost world. So how are you doing? Are you going? Are you that kind of Christ follower? That means if you're a teacher, you're a Christian teacher. If you're an electrician, you're a Christian electrician. If you're a doctor, you're a Christian doctor. If you're a homemaker or you homeschool your children, you do that from a Christian perspective. That's your world full. Every Christ follower is called into full-time vocational ministry. Whatever you do, your ministry is to honor Jesus. That's who you are. We We have somehow sold out to think that it's just folks like me who get a paycheck from a church or who are supported as missionaries are the ones who give our all to Jesus. No, no, no. That's not the way it is. Christopher Wright says God did not give a mission to his church. He formed his church for his mission. I love what David Platt said. He, he says, every saved person on this side of heaven owes it to every lost person on this side of hell to take them the gospel. The words of Jesus compel every Christ follower to live sent. Are you living sent? What did Jesus say next? You're going But you're also baptizing. Now, we come from a Baptist background, so we understand this, right? Baptism is that first step of obedience. It's being dumped in water after you've been born again so that others may see that you identify with Christ. But what really does that mean? That word, baptismo, was not just used in a spiritual sense, though it was. John the Baptist and then Jesus talked about being baptized, And that's an important step for us. But I want you to understand what that really gets at. That word was also used by those who were dyers of cloth. Let me see if I can illustrate it to you. You're a mother who wants to make your daughter a dress. You have the plain cloth 
but you want the dress to be pink. So you take it to the person who's going to dip it into the dye. Baptismo. When they dip it into the dye, it comes out pink. Now you can make your daughter a pink dress. And when people see your daughter, they're not just going to say she has on a dress. They're going to say she has on a pink dress. It is identified as pink. Listen to this. When you follow after Jesus and you're baptized, you're identifying as his. You are a Christian first. We've gotten this wrong too. You know what I've heard about a lot this year? I've heard about some black Christians and some white Christians and some Republican Christians and some Democrat Christians. I, I had heard about Christians who are pro this and pro that. Let me tell you what, we've got it backwards. You're not something else first. You're identified with Christ first. If people are looking at your race or your politics or your economic status or, or your job first, then you've got it wrong. You want to live in such a way that people see first you're identified with Christ. Come from his kingdom. Think about what would have happened on Friday night if those guys dressed in black and white would have begun to take off their shirts and put on the jerseys of either teams. They would have added to the conflict and the chaos. And that's what happens when you identify yourself as something else first. You're adding to the conflict and the chaos. You're not bringing peace. You're not bringing joy. And you're not living as a sent one. Finally, Jesus said, teaching them to observe or obey all things. Isn't that interesting? He didn't just say teaching them all things. And that is very significant. Because that reminds us that the mark of a sent one is not transformation, or, or is transformation, not information. Probably bears repeating again, many who follow Christ are educated beyond their obedience. It's not the truth you know. It's what you do with the truth you know that makes a difference. If you're not living transformed, you may have been informed but everybody else sees that you're more conformed to the world. And you want to do a quick checkup on this and just look at your life. It's easier for the rest of us to see. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, but some of those basic things that identify you, that stain you as one of his, that mark you as a follower of Christ, you're not doing, then it's hard to make the case you're really following him. You're not ready to be a missionary. You're still the mission field. You need to be born again. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Just like my friend in the story I told you about a little earlier. And you've got that partially right. I, I feel that all the time. In fact, as I've said before, I, rarely a week goes by that I don't think, God, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. Isn't there somebody else? But fortunately, I'm not sent by my own power. 
I'm sent from the home office. And Jesus made that clear. Think about Peter and how he must have felt as he heard these words of Jesus. As the Father sent me, so send I you. I I think for the first time, Peter's like, well, boy, you still haven't learned, Jesus. Because I'm good at talking, but I'm not good at doing. Remember how I denied you? This was before Peter's restoration. But Jesus wasn't asking Peter to do this in his own power. I know that because in verse 22 it says, Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 1-8 in the commission there, Jesus would say, And you will receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That happened at the day of Pentecost, but then we began to see after that that it happened any time a person repented of their sins and began to follow Jesus. Your power to do this is not based on you. It's based on him. I'm so grateful that our being sent is not contingent on our being sinless. So if you're waiting till you get everything right to live as a sent ones, then you're going to be waiting because you're not going to get it right on this side of heaven. You've just got to decide, am I representing the kingdom well, the kingdom that sent me in the midst of this chaos and conflict? Now, I just want to make this very practical in a second. You don't have to go to Afghanistan to do that. You can, and you should if God's calling you to do that. They desperately need to know the gospel. But these pages, these are things you could start being a part of right now in our church. Let me just list some of them to you. I can't read all of them. Did you know that you could partner and do like some are doing and become a foster parent? A lot of children in our area, they don't have a home. And they need a godly example. And if they don't get a godly example, they're going to get another example. And some of you, God's not calling you to adopt like he called our family, but he's calling you just to temporarily take children in. And you could partner with our ministry, Door of Hope. And Pastor Eliel could give you all the ways to do that. Some of you are are passionate about the sanctity of human life, and you wonder, how can I make a difference? Well, Well, we've got a partner called New Life Solutions, and you could just be a client advocate. When ladies come in there just for help and hope, you can pray with them and encourage them. If you're in the medical profession, there are other ways you can help. Some of you are burdened by this problem of human trafficking, how those caught up in human trafficking, slavery of the modern day, how, how they hear the gospel. And you could partner with the United States Institute Against Human Trafficking, one of our partners, and you could have opportunities right here in Tampa Bay to share the gospel through that. Some of you are burdened in other ways for children and for single moms, and you might come alongside our partner, One More Child. In any given day of any given week, administer in practical ways for the gospel. There's all kind of local partners, including 15 schools that we connect with, where we encourage students and we encourage teachers with the gospel. But the reality is right here in the doors of our church, during every week, We have people from all over the world. God has brought the world to our doorsteps. We need people who may be teachers by vocation who are willing some even to get paid to come and teach English in a gospel context. We need others just to volunteer. You don't have to be a teacher. Just to come and show love 
to work with Pastor Zach and Pastor Eliel, being a missionary without ever leaving this campus. Are you getting the picture? Sure. In the next 12 to 15 months, we plan to go to London. We plan to go to Nepal. We plan to go to potentially Honduras and definitely Ecuador. That's just a few of the examples of places around the world. We plan to take groups to, to Miami. Pastor Eliel's talking about a group going to Alaska. There are all kinds of opportunities for you to live sent. Just like my friend Mimi Henry has done. That's what this shirt represents. Mimi's kids, several years ago, God placed on her a burden for children in Tanzania, and she began giving of her time and of her resources to go and make a difference. What does she do for a living? She's not a preacher or a worship leader or a missionary in the traditional sense. She works for Hillsborough County School System. And yet she's understood the words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus compel every Christ follower to live sent. The events of 9-11 changed the world. I travel a lot and there are things about travel that will never again be the same because of what happened on 9-11. What happened? 19 individuals came from the other side of the world as terrorists and they brought the most powerful nation in human history to our knees. Nineteen individuals who follow a false god believed in that god so strongly that they gave their all to bring the most powerful nation in history to our knees. If 19 men who follow a false god can make that kind of impact, what could happen if just the people who hear this message respond in the name of the true God? Some of us have lived in light of 9-11. We've seen the changes. Like the change that took place on May 1st in 2003. I don't know how you don't like President George W. Bush. You might not have liked all of his decisions, but he's one of the most likable people I've seen in public service in my lifetime. And I remember watching as he flew onto the USS Abraham Lincoln on that day. In that fighter jet, and he got out, and then he was in his suit. He had taken off the uniform, and he he stood in front of this banner that said, Mission Accomplished. And that was great. Until we realized the mission was not accomplished. And I feel like that's what we do almost every Sunday. We come into a room like this. We get hyped up like football players in a huddle. We're excited about things that need to happen. We raise our hands. We shout. We say amen. But when it comes to doing what God's called us to do, we're not living sent. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I compel you today. Our mission is not accomplished. But it can be. We have all the authority necessary. We have the instructions. We have the message. We can live as sent ones. But we have to respond. On that first day of the week after the resurrection of Jesus, he appeared to Christ followers who were no different than me and you who follow Christ. He allowed them to encounter his presence. He allowed them to experience his peace. He allowed them to know their joy, his joy, and then he sent them out. That's my prayer for you today, that you do 
experience the presence of Jesus, that you do encounter the peace that he gives, that you do know the joy that he offers. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we must live sent. We must go forward. We must live sent. Would you stand together with me? All across our three campuses, would you stand? Let's bow our heads. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you just allow us to respond with conviction to what you're saying in our hearts. God, I pray that today someone would be born again. Someone who's maybe thought they were a missionary would understand they're the mission field and they would respond to the good news of the gospel. And Holy Spirit, as you empower us, I pray that many would make a commitment. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.